Thanks for listening to KYUK. I'm Evan Erickson. We are back this week with our series Field Notes, and we are tagging along with KYUK's senior reporter Emily Schwing, who is currently traveling on the Yukon River. Last week, she joined us from New Lotto to fill us in on what a team of scientists have discovered along the riverbanks, and she'll tell us more about that. But she's also been reporting on the fishing situation on the Middle Yukon. People would normally be pretty busy this time of year, but that's not what she's seen. Hey, Emily. Hey, Evan. So you've been on the river for about two weeks now. What are you learning? Yeah, so one thing worth noting about where I am, Evan, is that in the indigenous language that's spoken here, Koyakon Athabascan, the village names Nolato and Caltag are indigenous names for both dog salmon or chums and king salmon. So our guide and boat driver, Gilbert Huntington, gave me a quick language lesson one afternoon while we were out along the riverbank. Nulato is from Nulaga, dog salmon. Okay, that's what it means? Nulaga. The white man came around and he called it Caltech. King salmon. The wind picked up while we were sitting out on rocks along the Yukon, and we were really close to this place known as Halfway Camp. It's about 12 miles downriver from Nilato. In the whole two weeks that we've been out here, we haven't seen anyone fishing. A couple of guys we ran into said they didn't have much luck with their gill net. And while Gilbert was talking with me, I noticed three almost perfect circular holes that were drilled into the rocks. Those are for anchoring a fish wheel in place. So normally, Gilbert says that we should be seeing lots of fish wheels in the river this time of year. For me, it's a satisfying life. Even sitting right here, I... I look back, this used to be uh, Lake Leonard Stickman's fishing spot right over here. I helped him fish it, you know, back in, I don't know, early 70s somehow, sometime. It's one of the better ones on the whole river. If there weren't the restrictions there are now, would there be a fish wheel in the water right now? Oh yeah, there'd be one right there. Okay. A good chance it would be turning for fall chum. Oh yeah, I'd probably have one in the water too. The camp where we parked our boat hasn't been used in a while. And Evan, I've seen so much of this along the river. You've seen a lot of signs that people aren't fishing as much as they have in the past? Yeah, so there are lots of abandoned smokehouses. Over the last two weeks, we've traveled more than 100 miles of river from Galena past Caltag, and I haven't seen a single open camp. There are a lot of cabins that are falling in, and there are lots of racks and tables that are just rotting away. At Halfway Camp, where I was talking with Gilbert Huntington, part of the smokehouse roof has blown off, and it's just lying in this tall, uncut grass. But there is a landmark right there on the river as well, and a lot of people know it, One of the reasons why is because there's this big bluff and it has lots of exposed sedimentary rock. Speaking of rocks, Emily, you're traveling with some scientists who are pretty interested in them. How's that going? Yeah, totally. Um, It's been a really exciting week. The teams uncovered almost 90 dinosaur footprints that were made 100 million years ago. 
There are tracks from two kinds of smaller shorebird species and two much larger birds that are kind of like sandhill cranes of today. One of them is called Magno avipus. There are also some trace fossils that were left by fish fins when they were swimming in like a small pond or a lake. There are tracks from a plant-eating ornithopod that walked on two feet and an armored dinosaur called Notosaur or Ankylosaur. It walked on four feet and it left footprints here too. We've also found a few tracks left by a fierce little meat eater. But there's one really cool thing I'm dying to tell you about, Evan. Well, all of this is super cool. What What's that? Okay, so about 10 years ago, some researchers floated down the river starting in Ruby and they went all the way to Caltag. They reported finding footprints made by dinosaurs. But they also said that they didn't think anyone that was living along this river even knew that they were there. And that's just not true. How do you figure that out? It's kind of a good story. So our boat battery ran out of power, and we were marooned in this little eddy right out in front of Halfway Camp. We had to wait for another boat to show up to see if they could help us out. That only took a few minutes before we spotted one headed our way. It was carrying Rita and Dean Painter. They'd just left Nalato, and they were heading for Grayling. So while Dean stopped to help and jumpstart our boat... Rita told me an incredible story about a dinosaur footprint that was found in the bluff right there at Halfway Camp more than three decades ago. Well, one summer we stopped with them coming up from, we were coming up from Grayland. They invited us to have some tea. And while we were visiting with them, they showed us this big rock. It was huge. And there was a, a, like a footprint on the rock. So those dinosaur tracks are something people living on the river have known about for a long time then. Yeah, exactly. And that's really not any surprise, Evan. People who live around here have been walking up and down the riverbanks, fishing here, and traveling all over the river for generations. So this was the kind of information we've all been hoping to discover on this trip. The lead on this project, Tony Fiorillo, he's a paleontologist. He's really excited about the story that Rita shared. If 35 years ago that observation was made, the question then becomes, was there another observation 35 years before that, a generation or two before that? So can we get to um, somebody 100 years ago recognizing the footprints or 200 years ago? And like, how did those stories uh, possibly evolve as, as this all unfolds? So what's also kind of interesting about this, Evan, is the timing of Rita Painter's story aligns with the time when paleontologists like Tony Fiorillo and Yoshitsugu Kobayashi, who's also here working on this project, only started digging into the kinds of dinosaurs that were living here in Alaska millions of years ago. Kobayashi says there are still so many unanswered questions about how and why dinosaurs were so abundant this far north. I think that's why we should connect to the local people because they know a lot more than we do. So now this research team is thinking of all the ways that they can possibly incorporate indigenous knowledge and stories into their work. Wow, this sounds like it's really turning out to be a worthwhile trip down the Yukon there. And thank you very much for this update. And we're certainly looking forward to hearing what else you have to share with us. I am too, Evan. And before we sign off, I just want to give a shout out to thank the tribal administration in Nulato once again for letting us use their internet and electricity to charge up our batteries.
That was KYUK's Emily Schwing and I catching up during her trip along the middle section of the Yukon River. If you have thoughts about this journey, questions for Emily, or want to tell us about your experience with subsistence on the Yukon River this year, you can email us at news at kyuk.org. That's news at kyuk.org.